Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. Alex is back, back, back. Tell a friend. You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and whew, it has been a few weeks. But first things first. Good news, everyone. I passed my test, and I can officially put some letters behind my name. Uh, Thank you guys for the support, and with that out of the way, I need to apologize for a longer-than-normal break here on the show. What was supposed to be a maximum of three weeks off to study for and take my test ended up being almost six weeks because I had a co-worker get a promotion. Now, she totally deserved it, and I'm very happy for her, but... I'll give you one guess who had the honor of taking about 80% of her workload while we work on finding her a replacement. So essentially what happened was as soon as I took and passed my test, I had to start putting in 60 to 70 hour work weeks just to keep up with what needed to be done. Unfortunately, all those extra hours really cut into my podcasting time, so I was already on a break anyway, so I had no choice but to really uh, keep that break going. However, I have not been 100% idle. I have several interviews recorded, and I have a list of upcoming episodes that are going to come out, and I'm feeling good about the show moving forward. This is just a longer-than-normal break, but we're back, baby. Speaking of which, I have one more housekeeping note, and then we can move on to the show. With this extended break from the podcast, I've really seen how much writing, recording, editing, and publishing the show really takes, how much time it really takes, so... I'm going to experiment with releasing episodes every other week as opposed to every single week. I'm going to try this out and we'll see if we can't bring some additional balance to my life between, you know, work and trying to have a fiance be happy with me and not beat me. (laughs) All right. So with all that taken care of, let's shake the rust off, clear out the cobwebs and have a nice, easy episode to get us back to normal. And since today we are celebrating the return of new episodes of the podcast, Let's talk about two ways that companies measure returns. The first one we're going to talk about is return on assets, or ROA. The calculation for this is pretty simple. Your return on assets is your return divided by your assets. Put simply, it is net income from the income statement divided by your total assets from your balance sheet. For example, say you own a car wash that has a total asset value of $1 million and this year's net income was $100,000. In that case, your return on assets was 10%, because $100,000 of net income divided by a million dollars in assets is 10%. Okay, so now that you know how to calculate it, why does it matter? Well, the ROA of a company can be an easy metric to use to determine how effective the management team of the company is at managing the assets they have, If company A and company B are both in the same industry and have the same amount of assets, and we say that company A had a 15% ROA versus company B's 7%, we can infer that company A's management team was better at utilizing their resources and therefore was able to earn more money. Since ROA is partially based off of each company's balance sheet size, having this measure is a great way to compare companies on a more even basis than 
you know, company X makes more money than company Y, therefore company X is better. That statement cannot be reliable because the size of the company matters, which is why ROA is so helpful because it's a measure of for every $100 in stuff the company has, they earned $10 instead of just saying, wow, the company made a million dollars last year. To put what I just said in perspective, if I looked at you and I told you that a company made a million dollars last year, would you think that was impressive? Well, your answer should be, it depends. If Coca-Cola made a million dollars last year, that would be terrible, right? All that huge company, global recognition, and they only made a million dollars. But if I said your local Chinese buffet restaurant earned a million dollars, that would be much more impressive. ROA is useful because it provides context to how much the company is earning. It's how much earnings do they have divided by how much in assets they have. So it's a way to common size it. Now that we have an understanding of ROA, let's talk about our next one, return on equity. Remember the general accounting equation, assets equals liabilities plus equity. This means that all assets owned by the company were either financed by debt, such as with credit cards, bank loans, accounts payable, etc., etc., or with equity, which could be cash put directly into the business by the owners of the business, or retained earnings from previous financial periods. Remember that return on assets was calculated by taking the net income and dividing it by the total amount of assets owned by the company. Return on equity is that same net income number, but it's just divided by the equity. This gives us a single but critical distinction. We take ROA, essentially, but we exclude all the debt. Now, for those of you that can visualize fractions in your head, what happens to a fraction when you shrink the denominator but hold the numerator constant? Well, for everyone that can't visualize that, let's go back to our car wash. Our car wash had $1 million in assets and earned $100,000 this year. Well, let's say that of that million dollars in assets, there was a $600,000 loan on the property. Remember the accounting equation. If there's $1 million in assets minus a $600,000 loan, that means that the equity has to be $400,000 because assets equals liabilities plus equity. So if our car wash has $100,000 of net income and $400,000 in equity, that gives us a 25% return on equity. Return on assets is a measure of how effectively a company's management team is managing their assets to make money. Return on equity, on the other hand, is all of that plus how well they are managing their capital structure or the mix of debt to equity to fund the business. Return on equity can be interpreted in several different ways, such as how much money is a company able to make without any new capital being invested by the owners. Or you can think about it as how effectively is a company's management investing the owner's money? Because of how they are calculated, ROE is almost always going to be higher or equal to ROA. However, in my opinion, return on equity is much easier for management to manipulate. Because ROE involves dividing the net income by the equity, corporate managers that are compensated based on certain ROE goals or certain values can be incentivized to either make the company take on more debt or to get rid of as much equity as possible. Remember our example from earlier. We have a $1 million car wash makes $100,000 per year. If there is zero debt on the business, then the return on assets and return on equity is the same 
because 100% of the assets came from equity. So in this case, ROE and ROA is the same. Say the store manager got a bonus if he was able to make the business achieve an ROE of greater than 10%. Well, the ROE is already at 10% because it was a million dollar car wash and $100,000 per year. So you would think that all that needs to happen is that the car wash needs to make, say, an extra $100 over what they did last year, so that way it's $100,100, and boom, greater than 10%, so he gets a bonus, right? Well, say you had a lazy or more clever manager. Well, that manager could take this paid-off car wash, go and get a loan for $700,000 against the business, take that money and essentially give it to the owner as a dividend, now, I'm sure the owner is going to be happy with that, but we'll get to that in a second. Now, let's recalculate the numbers. Now, we have a million-dollar car wash with $700,000 in debt. That means we have an equity value of $300,000. Now, if the business makes $100,000 the exact same it did last year, if it makes $100,000, that gives us an ROE of 33%. Think about that for a second. All the manager did was go out and get a loan. He or she didn't do anything to make the business earn a single dollar more than it did the year before. However, if you just look on paper, the manager tripled the return on equity from 10% to 33% just by getting a loan. Now, that last bit wasn't to scare you. I just want you to be aware that just about every financial metric can be gamed with various accounting tricks and that you should never just look at one year of results. If you're evaluating the returns of a company, I want you to keep two things in mind. The first is that you always want to look at those metrics over the past three to five years. That way, if you see a sudden jump in either return on assets, return on equity, or whatever other metric you want to use, there's a red flag if there's a certain one-year jump because, you know, they took out a loan or there's some other kind of accounting trick where they went, hey, let's go ahead and do this just to juice the numbers a little. The second thing I want you to take away from this is that you should only use these metrics to compare companies that are in the same industry. If you were to compare the ROE and ROA of a bank versus a big tech company, or a car manufacturer versus a pharmaceutical company, you are going to get wildly different measurements. At that point, you aren't really comparing companies, you're comparing industries, and this isn't the way you want to do that. It's important that you use the same metrics for companies that are in the same industry because by their very nature, different companies in different industries, there's just different margins. You don't make as much money per sale on a merchandiser like Walmart versus what you do with a car lot. You know, for every Ford Raptor you sell, there's a certain amount of profit there. But for every one or two dollar Chinese thing at Walmart, the profit margins just aren't the same. And so because that's not the same, your ROE and your ROA is going to be potentially wildly different between each industry. So make sure you're comparing these within the same industry and you're not doing something crazy. And well, that's it. That was the big return episode. Now, for our next episode, I have an interview with a friend of mine that is a former bank examiner and is currently a chief lending officer at a community bank. I'll be bringing him onto the show to talk about if you should do business with a big bank or a small bank. Thank you all so much for your patience with me. I'm so glad we're back at it, getting back in the swing of things. I got plenty of episodes planned for you guys. But until then, I will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. 
Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.